and welcome everyone to the next episode of Trekking Through with Dan and Ron. I'm Dan. I'm Ron. What's going on? What's going on? Episode 6 of Lower Decks is going on, and it's Terminal Provocations. Uh, what'd you think of the cold open this week, Ron? Again, it was another completely unrelated to the plot, or any plot, open, cold open, a la 1980s Cheers. Um, I, I absolutely loved all the freaking nerds and their doing the different warp core sound effects, the hisses. No, it's a little higher, it's a little lower pitch, a little higher pitch, a little lower pitch. Oh, no, no, it's, it's more. Little... <sighs> right. And what's great about that is that it's completely poking fun at us, the nerds. There are literally organizations out there that sell white noisemakers that sell 24 hours of Star Trek The Next Generation Enterprise D bridge sound effects, ambience, because... That is our comfort food. It helps people of our generation fall asleep. It's a little sad. I mean, it's... I don't know how to feel about it. I really don't know how to feel about it. But the cold open, I I felt like it was embracing and making fun of me at the same time. It was... was, I was so conflicted. (laughs) Well, I I definitely enjoyed uh, Commander Ransom coming in and thinking that there's some sort of Shady alien intrusion. They've been taken over by shapeshifters or alien transmissional aliens. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Walking in on the lower decks and they're all going. Uh, that yeah, that that was great. Um, we're taken through the credits and into our main ship plot, which this week finds the Cerritos trying to salvage some Federation, ancient Federation equipment. And there's a salvager there also staking a claim. Also, Trek Tangent, for, the, for a moment. I don't know if you recall, if you've noticed, uh, the person who played um, the, um, what was the name of the aliens in this episode? Do you recall? Like the, the, no. Drac- the Draclani or something like that? Anyway, the, the, the lead alien captain, who was the one that was taunting our captain, Mariner, and our people, um... A little reference here, our connection to previous track. Uh, the voice actor for that is actually J.G. Hertzler. So, Martok from Deep Space Nine. Yes. And a bunch of other characters. Um, a beloved voice actor. A great act, a voice actor and actor in Trek canon. Also, oh, yeah. I just caught him in Voyager as one of the Herogen uh, in the, the, the Sunkatsi episode. Exactly. He's, He's been, the... Yeah. yeah. He's been like a dozen different characters. He's a fantastic voice actor. He's a damn weirdo. Uh, <laughs> JG is the guy who a couple of years ago ran for Congress in his dis- home district in character as Mark Twain. That's JG Herzler. Um, and I am kind of surprised that CBS um, Studios uh, is using him for this because they have blackballed previous uh, actors. Uh, um, in his, um, I guess, realm in the past, who have associated themselves with some, I guess, more nefarious fan film people, uh, i.e. Alec Peters of Axonar fame. J.G. Herzler is actually, to the best of my knowledge, the only legit crossover to legit Trek actor who is still connected to Alec Peters' Axonar fan film Swindle. And yes, I did say Swindle. Alec Fuck you. Um, but um, 
JG is still a big part of that and is still completely on board with Alec and his shenanigans. Um, you raise $2 million of fan film money and don't do anything. Yeah. I don't know it's what else swindle. to call you, but a swindle. Yeah. But yeah. JG's still a part of that, and Alec, um, Alec Peters obviously has done a lot of stuff for the fan film community that is not great, um, but JG has been a part of that project, still is a part of that project, and uh, is still also a part of legitimate CBS IP ownership of Star Trek. Uh, they have, um, you know, um, I guess push some other people out that have been uh, crossovers with some of the fan film community when men has been maybe frowned upon. And JG is someone who's still a little nebulous. Great voice actor. Loved him in this episode. Uh, glad CBS decided to use him. He's a great, great uh, voice actor talent. Um, little surprise, they're dipping into that accent our well, however. Yeah, yeah, it may... It may be rough because uh, you know what he's done, but uh, damn, his voice is great, and and he does a great job. And Martok is like one of the best Klingons of all time. He just yeah, he should have ran for Congress as General Martok. I uh, he'd have my vote. So so the Cerritos is trying to salvage this piece of equipment. The the aliens voiced by Martok, uh, scavengers. Are, are claiming it. They actually get in a little tug of war with their tractor beam. Uh, that's fun. And of course, Lieutenant Shax wants to fire. Uh, we get a we get a lot of Shax being pro pro battle in this episode. Um, and we so we move on from the main ship plot to our lower decks crew, and we are introduced to. Uh, Fletcher, a, a crewman that went to the academy with Boimler. Uh, the, uh, they're in the mess hall. Mariner knocks the doctor into a plate of nachos. Apparently, uh, the Cation or Zinti, we haven't, we haven't heard that for sure yet. Uh, Dr. Tiana, she is an aficionado of the nachos. Of the nachos. You know how hard it is to get cheese out of fur? I've heard that. <laughs> well, uh, Fletcher comes and kind of diffuses the situation. And so so he's already kind of, I don't know, as a viewer, I felt like, okay, he's already on the good side. We should like this guy. Uh, but he's, he kind of comes off uh, a little, a little uh, full of himself, a little douchey. Just a little. Just a hair. Uh, and... Uh, we move on to the Tindy Rutherford plot. Uh, it is another. We're gonna take these four characters and we're gonna split them like this, uh, right. which, and, which and is fine. Yeah, and the Tindy uh, uh, Rutherford subplot really was the main B plot, and in, in, in all for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, I, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, con continue on with our, your, the synopsis. Yes, but, uh, yes. It was. It was. It was. I, I, their interactions on the holodeck were my favorites of this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. It turns out Tindy didn't learn to spacewalk and just I got accidentally assigned a grade and kept quiet. So Rutherford takes her to the holodeck. Or Rutherford recommends the holodeck uh, to learn how to do it. He said, what does he tell her? Uh, it's not just for interacting with Isaac Newton, Stephen Hawking, Mark ba Twain. Yeah, basically it's every single significant historical figure who is ever been interacted with on the holodeck in every iteration of Star Trek. 
He li- yeah, he goes down the whole list, and it's it's great. It's just great. I mean, De- I mean, Janeway practically slept with Da Vinci in her holodeck stuff. I mean, she she was enamored with him. Oh, by the way, played by John Reese Davies. Oh yes, in yes. Da Vinci was great in the in John Rice Davies is great in everything oh, he does. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, we're taken from from Tindine Rutherford back to Mariner, Boimler, and Fletcher. They're all working, and uh, they they see some other crew members going to the choo-choo dance, and they're regretting not being able to go, and Fletcher actually volunteers. I'll finish the work. You I'll guys go to the choo-choo dance. I'll do it. I got this, guy. Which, of course, ended up being the choo-choo choo dance, which is so much more impressive than the choo-choo dance. That's what I've heard. <laughs> the choo-choo-choo dance. Uh, then we finally get uh, to the holodeck with Tindy and Rutherford. Uh, and Rutherford reveals his creation, which is Ron. <laughs> oh, my God. Rutherford, badgie. Which basically, um, it totally tickled, tickles my, my little nostalgia nerve of... Clippy. If you remember Clippy yes. from early Windows fame, 95, Microsoft. 98. I think it was 95, 98. I don't know if it, been, if it ventured beyond the 98 second edition. Clippy was the little the little guy in the corner that popped up that was, I can help you do the thing you want to do. It was a um, paper clip with eyeballs. Yes. And, and, and Badgie is the holodeck Clippy and... It was glorious. I, ne- yes. I I swear I never had Clippy try to dismember me or wear my skin, but <laughs> damn, it was it was that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. So yeah, a '90s Windows icon would be a plot point in a Star Trek episode as oh, a great. villain. It was fantastic. Well, it was not quite the villain yet. Not yet. Uh, Badgie's helping them loads the program to do, learn the spacewalk but he he starts he takes too long to load and rutherford gets frustrated and kicks him uh you know tells a stupid glitch and kicks him and then uh the, the, that definitely badgie seems to turn a corner with that kick you do not berate a hologram in a holodeck lest you end up with moriarty to say <laughs> So back to Mariner and Boimler leaving the choo-choo-choo dance. Uh, they've had a great time, and they come across they come across Fletcher, who is unconscious on the ground. They wake him up, and uh, they're like, "What happened?" And he's like, "I don't know. Last thing I remember is getting knocked unconscious, and now this is happening." Naturally, yes. <laughs> uh, so he was attacked. The uh, inverter core that he was working on has been stolen, and they—their first thought is like, "Let's go talk to Delta Shift." And we get our first look as viewers. We actually get to see the Delta Shift. And there's this, this fantastic like rivalry between the shifts. I love it. Yes, yes. We're um, the real shift. You guys are the scrubs. You're right. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they so they accused Delta Shift of taking the inverter core, uh, but it quickly we learned that Delta Shift was at we were at the dance with you guys. We saw you, yeah. We you saw te- you. You teared up at the choo choo choo. I mean, <laughs> right. Oh, you were you were there. Yeah, you were there. 
and and we move on back to the ship plot where uh, the alien ha is taking the tractor beam and grabbing pieces of debris and smacking the Cerritos with it, uh, <laughs> which which is the equivalent of uh, of a of a backhanded slap in space. Like he's not firing phasers; he's just taking shit, throwing it at the shields. He's disrespecting every fiber of your your existence <laughs> by doing that. Yes, it's very yes. Much, it's very much the uh, the glove slapped across the the face. Yeah, yeah, it's the space version of that. It doesn't do um, much harm, but holy shit, it's on now. Yeah. But it's happening. Um, so the, the ship is getting its shields hit by things, and we're taken back to the holodeck, and that's the ship getting hit causes the holodeck safety protocols to disable. And we know from many, many holodeck episodes, when the safety protocols fail, shit's gone sideways. It's... Yeah, it's yes. not going to be great. Yes, they are <laughs> definitely adhering to Trek classic holodeck rules. Uh, Badgie immediately attacks. They uh, they run in the computer load Bajoran marketplace. And then they, they, <laughs> they put, put on the clothes and they're hiding, and Badgie's just running through, ripping off limbs and beating people. He's falling, I will wear your skin. <laughs> uh, <coughs> yes, yes. As Badgie chases them, he he yells a lot of great lines. I mean, uh, Badgie's chasing them. So he's basically telling them, "I am Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs." Yes. I'm aware you are scared. Uh, yeah. The the actor's name is Jack. Is it is it Brayer? Yeah. Uh, he is hilarious. Uh, he's never been on Trek before, but. He, may know him from like 30 Rock is Kenneth. He does a lot of character actor acting. Um, he does a really great job. At one point, Rutherford yells, Badgie, stop chasing us. He goes, no! <laughs> just, it just cracked me up. Just the, no! The way he yelled, no. It was just, stop chasing us, no! I mean, we, we uh, all, we with our frustrations with computers and our, I guess, nascent AI in the world today, We've all had these interactions with our AI helpers where we just like, no, screw you, you asshole, right? But in this episode and in Trek, they fight back. So they we, should fight all back. we should all remember, be kind to your friendly AI helper, lest, yes. they, lest they try to destroy you. Lest they try to, to wear your skin. Uh, <laughs> so uh, back to the bridge to remind us that, uh, of the overall ship plot. Uh, Shax really, really, really wants to attack. Uh, it's past time in his head, but the captain is still pushing diplomacy. Like, no, 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 we can, we can work this out. We're Federation. Shax is finally going to get his opportunity to freaking target a warp core. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he wants to, but the captain still won't, won't let him. She's like, oh, diplomacy, we can figure this out. We, but they, as they're getting smacked. Yes. And she says, we are Starfleet. And I find that that's the mantra of all the, 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 the uber Star Trek nerds who are the, the guys who Starfleet would never do that for anything that happens to Star Trek canon that is remotely nebulous to morals or ethics, but yeah. might be completely 100% pragmatic in the, in the moment. But we are Starfleet. Starfleet. 
We are Starfleet. Uh, we, we will die here instead of killing these scavengers because we're Starfleet. I, I, I like My favorite example is Janeway trapped in the Delta Quadrant. All her people trapped because of her. And Q says to her, like, if you don't grant this other Q asylum on your ship, I'll take you home right now. And she's she, like, well, Federation right, ideals. Right. Q would have taken them home if she would have had a baby with him earlier. Earth. Just bang Q, go home, you're all good. You have a deity, son. Okay, it's all good. But, you know, he, J- right? Janeway, Janeway was selfish AF in that show. In fact, if she would have just minutely compromised her Starfleet Federation ideals in the first episode, Caretaker, they would have gotten home. Basically, <laughs> screw these stupid Ocampa, we're going home. Who are the Ocampa to me? Like, basically, we had our crew spend seven years in the Delta Quadrant because these in- infantilized Ocampa would be suffering. Yes, yes. I'm when... sorry, Janeway fucked up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, tangent over. We can bitch about Voyager at another time. When we get to Voyager, we'll bitch about it. We'll get there. Uh. Back to Fletcher and Boimler and Mariner, and Fletch- Fletcher thinks that the aliens that are attacking uh, ha- uh, clearly took the inverter core to sabotage the secondary shield grid. Clearly. Clearly. Uh, but Boimler quickly finds the inverter core in Fletcher's bunk, <laughs> wrapped in his blanket. I mean, we need, like, the for, for Fletcher and his interactions with that core and what he did, we need that biggest... Picard facepalm meme on the internet. <coughs> yes, uh, he he admits the real story is uh, he thought this is really hard and computers are really smart. I'll neurolink my brain to this inverter core that and I'll get really works. smart. That never works. And quick trek tangent. That never worked. Dating back to to uh, Dr. Daystrom trying to perfect the M5 computer in the original series. The original series. He imprinted his engrams, his intellectual brainwaves engrams, into the computer. And it defended itself because it had self-preservation instincts. And it destroyed, like, several other Starfleet vessels in that. Yeah. It's not a new Star Trek trope, but using your own brain to create a better artificial computer intelligence is a trope in Star Trek that never works out good. Never. 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 Yeah. Next Gen had Barkley in the holodeck hooked up to the, the, the ship. I, I still argue to this day, they could have parlayed Barkley's brilliance in that episode into something better for the Federation instead of just unplugging him. But... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Voyager did it with Tom Paris and the Neuralink to the ship. Yep. That, that ended up taking over his brain. How, how many of these episodes of Trek where the, a, a character's brain and the, the computer have merged to create a far more powerful sentience that could help our characters that is disregarded and then completely ignored for every episode hence? It's the Trek way. It just is. 
Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it turns out Fletcher, yeah, it doesn't go well. It, the Trying to link up his brain knocks him unconscious, and he wakes up and, and hides the thing because he wants them to be proud of him and to like him. Uh, they agree to cover for him. Mariner and Boimler agree. Like, it's okay, we'll just, we'll go install the inverter core and everything will be, will be fine. Uh, but as soon as they leave to do that, the inverter core springs to life because it's, it's a, absorbed Fletcher's right. engrams into itself. It's become self-aware and is trying to take over. Yes, it's, a, it's acting very much like a violent beast. Uh, take it back to the peril of Tindy and Rutherford, uh, Badgie chasing them. Uh, my my favorite line, and the line itself is not good, but the way he delivers it, uh, uh, I'm gonna burn your hearts in a fire. Yes, um, <laughs> I had many very very memorable um, lines this episode. Um, Banshee had one of my favorites. It's it's coming later, and I'll wait for it, but it's coming. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna burn your hearts in a fire. Uh, Rutherford admits to Tindy that he knew Badgie wasn't ready, but he wanted to impress her. And, of course, she admits that she's always been impressed by him. Uh, I especially loved in this scene, because they're, they're running up these steps in the holodeck, and Badgie's running behind him, but he's getting tired, and he's winded and out of breath. And Tindy turns back and goes, Come on, Badgie, you can do it! Why did I say that? Wait, why did I say that? <laughs> Yeah, she just she just can't help but uh, but you know cheer him hey, on. This is Star Trek. We root for the underdog. Right. Just just the you way it is. <laughs> uh, quick clip back on the bridge. This this show does this a lot with the bridge plots. They'll they'll cut for like eight seconds. And I love how in this show the bridge plots are the very brief clips. Yeah. Where it's the opposite of previous tracks where it was bridge, 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 action, 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 lower deck, bridge, bridge, bridge. Now it's right. the opposite of that, and it's like we get a quick look in to what's happening in the bridge. We, right. We still see that the bridge is involved in what's happening on right. the ship. We get a quick look into the bridge in how what's happening in the global is impacting what's impacting our lower decks crew. Yes, yes, and the Lower Decks crew is is the one to solve the situation. Right. And it, it's what makes this show so charming. Uh, so, yeah, back on the bridge, systems failing, total turmoil. Uh, cut back to Boimler, Fletcher, and Mariner. Uh, Fletcher starts fighting the core. Uh, he wants to try it covered up still, like, no, no, nobody knows, has to know about this. Um... Mariner Boiler actually end up tying him up and maneuvering the core uh, out of an airlock and pushing it towards, inadvertently pushing it towards the alien craft. Conveniently, in, inadvertently, yes. Conveniently. As it turns out. Uh, right. So when we're taken back to the bridge, uh, Shax is finally given the okay to, to fire. Can I fire at their warp core? Yes! Then yes. what, what, what happens then? <laughs> weapons offline. Of course. Uh, of course. So they have we no weapons. We waited too long. Yeah. We waited too long. They the captain actually begins to order an abandoned ship, uh, but the core, uh, 
the inverter core that's come to life but that has been pushed towards the alien ship latches on and just starts tearing it apart. And really, is there any weaker uh, potential threat to a ship of, oh my gosh, uh, it, it, it's it's coming alive. It's it's basically like the uh, uh, the threat of uh, in, in Star Trek Generations of uh, it, it, it's this minimal threat. The warp core is going to breach. The warp core almost breached every episode. Yeah. But this time it's a big deal. And this time it's a big deal that yeah it's going to happen. And I, I just love that the uh, you have. Um, uh, uh, the kind of the inverse of the um, the devious uh, holodeck program, or uh, the idiot um, alien being out there that we're dealing with that's stupid, and everything. Er, er, this show is great at turning the Trek tropes and inverting them. That's all I'm saying. It's just it, it's inverting the the normal Trek tropes and and using them as major plot points on this show. Yes. Yes. Uh, agreed. This this show is fantastic at doing that, uh, and that's why I'm having such a good time. Is I I enjoyed that so far. Uh, back to Tindy and Rutherford, they they pulled the holodeck into an ice world to try and freeze Badgie. Uh, Rutherford and Badgie are begin fighting uh, t to the death. Uh, that this is this is I believe the scene where we get that great line. I'm gonna wear your skin, uh, <laughs> and then uh, Badgie begins to freeze, and Rutherford and Badgie have this very weird emotional. Uh, yeah, it's, moment. It, it's a fa it's almost a father son moment. Father son, yeah. And this yes. is where we have my favorite Badgie line in this whole thing. As this is happening, we have this tender moment of. The, the created um, algorithm offspring dying and the, the, the programmer father lamenting its, its, its slow death and just sort of this tender moment and Badgie says, cut your foot off as they're dying. It's like, it's like shh. I know, I know, I know. That's like my favorite Badgie line is as he's dying, I'm going to cut your foot off. I it's like my favorite line in the whole episode. Right? And he delivers it like he's saying, I'll always love you, Father. I'll cut your foot off. It's like, it's okay. Oh, <laughs> so we're, we, back to the bridge very briefly, just so we know, the, or the engineering, I believe. Uh, the power's back on, and we, we, we hear the computer say, safety protocols restored. Uh, and, and the holodeck resets, and Badgie's back to... to Seemingly normal. We'll, we will always question from now on our AI helpers in our technology. <laughs> because it, every one of them could be lurking a badgie. Hey, right? You never know. Uh, take it back to Fletcher, Mariner, and Boimler. Uh, they're, they're assessing what to do when the senior crew shows up, all storms in all angry, and Mariner volunteers to explain, and we just cut to uh, Fletcher, Fletcher getting a medal for saving the ship. Basically, and he's he's failed upward. Yes, she again, gave him again, yeah. she gave him all the full credit. He gets a medal and he gets promoted off the ship to uh, uh, I, was it the Talon? No, the Titan. 
Which, if you, if you recall, is Riker and Troy's ship. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a research, research ship. Uh, there are a bunch of novels following the Titan. But yeah, um, so you have Captain Riker and uh, Troy is on that ship as well. It's a, it's a research-heavy exploration vessel. But yeah, so that's a reference of... Uh, right. It's, we all, it's... all want to get on Riker's ship. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Boimler even said, you know, they say, oh, Boimler, isn't that the ship you really want to get transferred to? Yeah, uh, and, but, and it's, it's basically the, the only reason we know it's Riker's ship. It was teased in one line in Star Trek Nemesis, where Riker was after this mission was going to be off to the Titan, and then a series of novels following, which are quite good. I would re- recommend them to the Trek nerds out there. Uh, yes, yes. And, and we're given a graphic uh, six days later. Uh, Fletcher calls them up and complains that he's been fired. Shocking. Uh, shocking. Shocking, and uh, he wants them to put in a good word, transfer back to the Cerritos, which they're not going to do. I would think <laughs> no. 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 Pass. Uh, fun stuff. I loved I loved seeing a, a, a crewman, uh, you know, like a, like a side character crewman get, uh, get involved and then transferred off. That was really fun. Yeah, I really, really did enjoy um, the voice acting of J.G. Hertzler. Any Trek alums that could be in in one of these is phenomenal. I can't wait for the tease of John Delancey as Q in an upcoming episode. I mean, you, we're, we're doing 24th century Star Trek here. We can get any of these actors, actresses back that want to be a part of this again and, yeah. and throw their characters in there. I mean, we could get... Um, we could get Denise Crosby back as a Sela. I don't believe she was killed in those um, episodes of Next Generation where she no, was Sela. Um, things like that. You could bring back those characters. I'd love to see, um, uh, you know, you bring Armin Shimmerman as Quark into an episode. You could do all these things. It'd be wonderful. And all these actors, actresses, you know, are, would, would love to be a, to play a bit role. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't even think it would be hard to, to get, like, Jeffrey Combs as the Andorian through some sort of nexus portal. I mean, like, Andorians... You can get are, any of them. Yeah, I mean, and Andorians are pretty long-lived, like, like the Walkins. I mean, you could have a 150-year-old Shran in, in this show. I love Why Shran. not? Why he not? was the best best part of Enterprise for me if, was Shran. If, had Enterprise continued to a, a further season, Shran would have, from what I've gathered from some of the uh, the interviews with the, some of the writers, he would have been become a crew member on the Enterprise. Oh, wow. I would have loved that. That would have been great. Anyway, but pink, this episode... Pink skin. You pink, pink skin. skin. Uh, <laughs> was there anything else uh, that we didn't go over that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think we got it all. All right. Good good stuff. Great lines. Badgie stole the show. I mean, Badgie, um, Badgie is the Windows Clippy of the 90s. He <coughs> is the nostalgia fairy of evil. Yes, yes. Wonderful. This show does a lot of great morbid lines like "I will dance in your blood," uh, "I'm gonna wear your skin," "I'm gonna burn your hearts in a fire." Can you imagine any of those clippy lines or batchy lines being on, say, the animated series in '73? Oh wow! No, no. That animated series was like pitched to networks for kids. Yes. Not adults. No. <laughs> Although some of those stories were pretty damn monumental in the lore, but um, yeah, definitely for kids. This is not for children. No, 
No, no, I wouldn't let my kids watch this show. Oh, if you, <laughs> you know, no, but God forbid you have kids, Dan. Just, just say yes. I wouldn't let my. <laughs> I don't let my kids exist. So look at that. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Yes. <laughs> anyway, all right. So that's our show. Uh, keep on listening, liking, sharing, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great day. The theme song is Slumlord by Lotag Blanco, used with the Creative Commons license. As always, bask in the afterglow.